This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam and I'm your host and joining me today is Dr. Richard Blackaby. Well, good to join you, Sam. I understand someone else is going to be joining you and Carrie and Sarah, uh, Claire oh, yes, soon. yes, indeed. The, uh, the news is out. We're expecting our second <laughs> yeah. bundle of joy. And tell me what and your little daughter is calling this baby. Poppy. Uh, is, baby. is one of the things. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, I see, I see what you're fishing for, Richard. <laughs> Somehow, you know, <laughs> we told her that um, we were expecting a, a baby and, that, you know, that mommy has a baby in her tummy. And this was around your 60th birthday. And so I don't know if it got something, some of the wires got crossed in her little brain, but she's under the impression that uh, it's uh, baby Richard. Baby is. Richard. That has a ring to it. I like that. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, maybe it's a contender for a name depending on. Um, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, jury's still out on that one. Yeah, but, uh, so. don't don't go and get anything embroidered yet. Is yeah, what you're I, saying, I wouldn't so. make a plaque at yeah. this point. No, no. <laughs> well, yeah. So, um, so lots of lots of uh, exciting times, and and uh, Carrie's just been incredibly sick. Yeah. For this first trimester, so we're we'll be happy to move into the second and hopefully say goodbye to all the nausea. Mm, and she is and paying the, the, the full price of motherhood right now. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's been pretty brutal. But mm. anyways, today um, we're not talking about pregnancies or <laughs> second children, but uh, talking about worthless men. Yeah. So we did uh, a, f- a few um, episodes ago, we talked about um, David's mighty men. And yeah. to, to be a mighty man, you need to, or to, to attract mighty men, or women, you have to be a mighty man or a woman, mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to take a look at the opposite of that today. And uh, there were some worthless men that were around David as well. And so, why don't you take us down that path? Yeah, so this this is kind of an unusual talk, and and sometimes we just do that just to kind of maybe just touch on something that's a little off the the main grid. But as I've I've been uh, reading through the Old Testament. There's an interesting phrase that just pops up now and then, and it is the term worthless men. Uh, sometimes it's mm-hmm. translated rebels uh, or corrupt men, but uh, uh, it, technically, I think in the Hebrew, what it what it really says is uh, uh, sons of Belial, uh, Belial. That, that doesn't sound uh, complimentary. No, and uh, you know, of course. When you say worthless about any person, you your first thought is, well, every person has worth and so on. And uh, but I don't think this is necessarily meaning they have no worth as a person. But uh, but what it's saying, I think uh, it's, it's sort of interesting when you, when you see this phrase "worthless men." What what does the Bible mean by that? Um, yeah. Well, how can you be a worthless man or woman? And so there's a couple of places. Yeah. What uh, must one do to gain such yeah, a name? Uh, uh, and yet I think, you know, as I read that, I began thinking a bit about it and, and realized, well, there is a certain type of person, man or woman, that does not contribute anything positively to the people around them. Uh, their contribution to society, to their family, to others is worthless. Uh, 
which is a horrible thing when you think about that. You're, yeah. You live the only life you have, and your life's contribution has been worthless, uh, of no value. And that, that's, a, that's something that ought to make you shudder. Yeah. Um, and so there's an interesting, there's several verses just to mention. Sometimes you might want to do a Bible study on worthless men. Maybe you're a woman you're listening to this, and you think, <laughs> yeah, well, I've known several. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 13 uh, they're kind of laying out the law and different things to do. And it says corrupt men there, the the new King James translates it, that, that phrase there, corrupt men, uh, have gone out from among you and enticed the inhabitants of their city saying, let's go serve other gods, uh, which you have not known. So in the, the very, the first example of this phrase, at least I came across in Deuteronomy, uh, is saying that these are worthless people that basically draw people away from doing the right thing. Uh, the yeah. people were worshiping the true God. And then there's always some that will not be satisfied with that. And y- y- you know the kind of people. It's like they, they can't leave something well enough alone. Like things are yeah. going fine. People are in a good space. And then there are the, these sort of people that just disrupt things, that um, get things off kilter. And, and maybe you've led an organization uh, or you've led a church and there was harmony and unity and, uh, and uh, people were uh, working together for a purpose. And all you have to do is introduce just a handful of people that are just contrary, that just can't, you know, everything's good. Like, just don't mess it up. But, then the, the, but there are just some that... The moment that they enter on your leadership team or they join your church, uh, you just sense that there's been a disturbance in the force, you know, they, (laughs) uh, and all of a sudden there's attitude issues and there's contrary opinions. And, and it's like, why, why would you do that? Like we, we were having such a sweet fellowship here in our church. And now this person's come in and starting to question uh, on the sidelines about the pastor's leadership or the CEO's leadership. And, uh, and so the first reference there is to that. And then there's a couple of references in Judges. Uh, in Judges 9, verse 4, uh, if you remember the story of Abimelech, he was one of the sons, kind of a stepson, if you will, of uh, Gideon. Gideon had 70 sons, and then he had a a son from basically a concubine, uh, not that was considered kind of like a not a full son or whatever, and um, and so it says that he goes to the people of uh, Shechem, and he says, you know, instead of having these seventy sons of Gideon all ruling over you, why don't you just have me? I'll just be the king, and you just have one ruler instead of seventy. And so that sounds reasonable to the people, and so so it says that Abimelech gathered together some worthless men hmm. and they basically they capture all all 70 or so of Gideon's hmm. sons and they butcher them all they take them all and execute them it says on one stone just just mercilessly beheading killing all 70 of them and what that tells you is there are always certain people the bible calls them worthless men that if you're looking for trouble yeah. There's always some that will sign up to join you. You know, you don't have to look far to find some people willing to just, if you've got a bad attitude or you've got some evil ideas, you, you never have to look far for some that are always open to that. Uh, and then there's another example in Judges 11, verse 3, just two chapters later. Jephthah, uh, again, he's uh, not a full son. He's kind of seen as a bit of an outcast from his uh, parents. 
And so it says that he kind of lives on the, the, the fringe of society, but he has some worthless men, it says, that have joined up to him. And they go around raiding people. They're just, they're violent men. They, they look for trouble. Um, and so I, it's just interesting when you find these kind of unsavory characters that are looking for trouble, it appears that you can always find some worthless men Mm-hmm. that are willing to say, hey, I'm, I'm game for trouble. You know, I'm yeah, game for division, for violence, uh, for attacking people. Uh, and they, they jump on board. And of course, uh, you, you, you see this a lot these days with social media, you know, the piling on, uh, yeah. the canceling out. Uh, someone makes a, uh, a critical comment about someone and all. And I've had that happen to me. You know, someone make some untrue, unkind comment about me, maybe in social media. And then all of a sudden there's all these people I've never heard of. I don't know. I'm I'm not even sure they know me, but they're jumping on anyway, just, uh, uh, what they've heard or what they think, or, and it's just all, uh, false and it's unkind and hurtful. But, uh, you think like, why would you do that? Like, why would you jump? You don't even know the fact, the person that, made the first statement didn't have his facts right but all these people are immediately jumping on board and making it even worse and they are completely ignorant of the details but uh that nonetheless doesn't seem to bother them. there's trouble and uh there's someone's being attacked and so i'm i'm happy to jump on board as well well those are what the bible would call as worthless men people that are just they're, they're just game for trouble and if someone is attacking someone on social media or some other way, uh, undermining them in a church or in a company, and, uh, they'll, they're happy to just get, get join the trouble. Uh, and then there's just a couple other examples. Um, king Saul, the first king of Israel, there's an interesting story where he's quite timid and insecure. Uh, and when they finally gather together and, uh, and Samuel meets with all the elders of the tribes and he, he's already anointed Saul to be king, but now he's going to have the, the tribes kind of cast lots and, and determine what God's will is. And it's going to end up pointing to Saul. And so then of course they say, well, where is Saul? I thought, so I thought I saw him while well, he's hiding in among the baggage. He's, uh, he's so, he's so insecure that he, uh, isn't even just standing out there boldly waiting to be pronounced king. And so it says that they, they find him and say, okay, well, you're, I guess you're going to be our king. But then it says there were some worthless men who said, well, who is he? Like, why should we follow him? And it says they, they didn't bring him any gifts. Uh, in other words, they, they, they wouldn't just go along with everybody. Everyone else is being swept up in a moment of unity and let's all rally around our, our first king. But there's always some that instead of just helping to make things unified and, uh, and positive. There's always some that'll just be the naysayers. Well, who is he? Like, why should he be that? And, uh, and so they don't honor him. They don't give many gifts. And for an insecure King, like Saul, that, that, you know, that hurts, that goes uh, to his core. And so Saul spends really his whole kingship insecure, always, you know, he, right off the bat, he's got people saying, well, he shouldn't be the King. And so he's, you sort of, can see some of why he gets so insecure about David later, because yeah. from the very beginning, there's been those who have questioned whether he should be king or not. Right. And so, uh, and it all starts with some of these worthless men. You wonder if he would have gone easier on David 
if he hadn't had these worthless men right off the bat that were questioning him and challenging him. And, and I've had that, you know, where you're leading things over the years and, and you can just count on it. Like you, you, you make a presentation to your leadership team or your faculty or your church council, whatever it is you're leading. And you, you can almost count on it. There will be some that will immediately embrace it and say, okay, you know, what are we doing next boss? You know, and let's, let's go for it. And, but then you also know that there's always going to be some that just are going to be cantankerous, whether they have a good reason to be or not. They'll just, it's just natural for them to push back and not be supportive and, and kind of be almost looking around to see if they can garner any other support. You know, anyone else want to be resistant to this along with me? Um, and so that's, that was Saul's case. Well, one other example, uh, from just the, uh, from his biblical history is David. And at first, and you remember the story, it's really a, a David, one of his lowest points where he's been uh, a refugee from King Saul for quite a while now. And he's living in the city of Ziklag, which is given to him by the Philistines. And he actually goes with his men and volunteers to fight with the Philistines. And they're about to go fight King Saul. And, and that's when King Saul will be killed. But the, the, the Philistines rightly distrust David. And they say, we don't want you coming with us. What if you turn against us in the, the heat of battle? So they tell him, you, you can't fight with us. Go home. So he goes back to Ziklag. When he gets there, the Amalekites have swept in while David and his men have been away they capture uh, all of his, the wives and the children that were left behind. They take all of his possessions and wealth and they, and they take off. And so it's kind of like David's already been a refugee forever. And, uh, and, and now he's lost everything. And it says that his men were actually talking about just stoning David. They're just tired of following a leader who keeps on never being made king or seemingly yeah. having success. And, uh, and so David, uh, seeks God's will. Should I go after the Amalekites? And God says, yes, go pursue them. And so he takes off and, um, he's got, uh, I don't know, 800 men or 600 men or so somewhere in there <coughs> and about, uh, and as they're going so fast and so hard that at a certain point, there's about 200 of the men are just too tired to keep going. So David just says, well, you wait here those of you that can keep going, let's, let's stay after these guys before they get out of reach. And so two thirds of them keep on going. Well, they get to the Malachites, they, de- they defeat them. They, they retrieve all of their, their people. And the, the Malachites had also plundered other people. And so there's just tons of, uh, of booty that is left there for, uh, the, the men. Well, they come back and there's 200 of the men that got left behind. And so David is like ready to share the loot with them too. And, and then it says some, but some worthless men said, well, they shouldn't get anything. Like they didn't fight. They didn't endanger their lives. They were too tired to, to come along and join in the battle. So, you know, they shouldn't get anything. And David, what's interesting is for one of the first times you see David actually, um, challenging the worthless men, you know, Saul just sort of stays quiet when the worthless men criticize him, yeah. um, you know, Jephthah and Abimelech, they actually enlist and work with the worthless men. But when the, these worthless men start to basically say the same, the things you'd expect of a worthless man, I, you know, uh, David is being big hearted. He's, he's, he's being generous. 
In fact, it'll say that he ends up passing basically a law that the, the Israelites would follow ever after, which was if you have to leave some of your soldiers to like guard your supplies, uh, you, you know, you've got a mule train full of food and supplies. You got to at least some people to guard those. Well, if they don't actually fight in the battle, but they, they're back behind the lines in reserve and protecting the women and children, whatever, then they are treated as an equal you know, participant in the mm-hmm. battle and they should get equal loot like everybody else, which is a big hearted way. Of course, that nobody's going to want to stay behind if, uh, unless you're a coward, but then you don't get any money if you stay behind. So David basically uh, says, we will always be generous to, to every person. We will treat every person with respect and yeah. dignity. Uh, and of course, there's always, when, whenever you try to be big hearted and do the right thing and be generous, there's always going to be people that will say, you know, why be generous? They don't deserve it. They weren't here. They, they shouldn't get what we get. Uh, you just count on it. If you've got a group of people and you decide to be generous to somebody, um, well, let's give these people did this service for the church. Why don't we give them a, a bonus or a tip or a, a thank you gift? Well, we've already paid them. Why should we pay any more? We, you know, there'll, yeah. there'll always be those voices that why be generous? Why do more than we have to? Um, and the, really one of the only cases where someone challenges worthless men is David. And he, and, and I think that says much about David. And I think that's, yeah. that, that tells you that, uh, w- when you, if you're going to attract mighty men, you've, you've got to, uh, not listen to the voices of the worthless men that will bring you down. Hmm. Uh, and it also tells me David attracted mighty men. I mean, he had some men there that, would take on giants, would, would, you know, single-handedly fight off dozens of enemy soldiers. Uh, but even David in the midst of his mighty men, he had some worthless men. Um, and sadly, when it comes to leadership, that is often the case. Uh, you'll have some mighty men, some people that are willing to take on mountains and take on giants. Uh, and you're so grateful for them and glad that you've got them on your team. But inevitably, you've got someone that's just a troublemaker, someone yeah. that uh, thinks small, is petty, is selfish, uh, is divisive, is quick to, to join any divisive, sub, uh, you know, anyone that's trying to subvert uh, a movement, an effort. There'll, there'll always be those who'll just jump on. And, and oftentimes, they're not necessarily the leader. Uh, what I found often is, they, they may not speak up, but then one person says, well, I don't know if we should do that. Or why should we, you know, treat this person so well when they, or I don't think we should do any more than we have to. As soon as one person, a leader kind of speaks out against doing the right thing, then worthless men are usually the pile on people. Then, yeah. all, then all of a sudden they jump on board as well. Um, Proverbs 6 uh, verse 12 says, a worthless person, a wicked man, walks with a perverse mouth. Hmm. Uh, and so uh, it, a worthless person is someone that s- speaks things that tear down, that don't build up, that divide instead of unify. Um, and the, the scripture seems to be pretty clear that there just there is that kind of person that is just always divisive. I, I, I heard just recently of a, of a mother that was that way. She was just a very critical person. She, her husband had left her, and she was just always critical, always putting down her own kids, her, hus- her former husband, 
her siblings, and nobody wanted to be around her. And um, and now she's actually dying of a terminal illness, right? Even as we do this podcast, and uh, and, and and nobody wants to help her because her whole life, all she's ever done is she's divided her family, she's destroyed her family. Uh, she has kids who don't will have nothing to do with her. But the proverb says, worthless people just have this perverse mouth. They just can't help it. You get around them and they, they just have to tear things down. And, uh, mm. and then there's one other reference. It, there's only one time in the, the New Testament where this phrase is used. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. And there, the Apostle Paul is writing, and he's, and he's basically talking about, you know, what does light have to do with darkness? What do believers have to do with unbelievers? And he says, basically, what what do followers of Christ have to do with Belial, which is the same word of sons of Belial? And there it seems that in, in, for Paul, it is really a synonym for Satan. And so in the in the Old Testament, it's just sons of Belial, and it just usually gets translated worthless men. But Paul actually equates it with Satan. And to say the sons of light compared to the sons of Belial and uh so Satan, uh, uh, Paul doesn't mince any words. He just says, yeah. you're, just, you're just an instrument of the devil, basically, um, when you, you tear up and you divide. And, and I've often wondered how a person can live with himself when they do that. You know, yeah. They're just so, uh, uh, otherwise things might, might be going along quite well. And I've literally seen, you know, especially smaller churches, but even some bigger ones, there's a story going on right now of a fairly large church and basically a handful of people just start to send out a, a smear campaign of the leadership, uh, spreading lies, uh, sending out false emails. And, uh, uh, and, and oftentimes they're not a big group, but they're just a very disruptive group. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, let's take a quick break here and we'll wrap up when we come back. This fall, Blackaby Ministries is hosting two spiritual leadership coaching workshops, one in the Atlanta area and the other is fully online. The focus of these workshops are learning how to ask the right questions to help move people onto God's agenda. The online workshop is September 13th through the 15th, and the in-person workshop is October 21st through the 23rd. To find out more and to register, visit blackabycoaching.org. Links will be in the show notes. Well, Richard, we've uh, we've seen um, several instances of, of worthless men. We we know their characteristics, um, and my suspicion is, for those listening, they have probably put some names and faces <laughs> together that says, "Yeah, you know what? I think I think I I think I know exactly who you're talking about, Richard." And so um, hmm. maybe in the remaining time that we have, it's inevitable, uh, like you said, worthless men and worthless women. Um, they're, they're, you're just going to find them in your organizations, whether that's a company or a church or nonprofit. They're just going to be there. Yeah. And so, uh, I guess my question would be, what what do you do with that? Yeah, and that, that's a tough one. But it, it is in leadership. It 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 is a reality. I've yeah. de- I've dealt with those kind of people. I've I've seen them all my life, and I didn't really have a tag for them before. I just jerk. You what you see the word, but uh, or worse. But um, a couple of things. One is I would just say don't don't be intimidated by them. Like King Saul. What seemed to be a bit intimidated by the worthless yeah. man. He and and it, it stung when they said things that were unkind to him. David, on the other hand, just blew it off. David just would not 
yeah. and be intimidated by that. David wouldn't read the comments on his right. social media posts. Right. Saul uh, was going deep down. Yeah, you know, and I'll tell you that if you're on social media, that's uh, that's inevitable. If you try to post something good on on social media, there's always going to be some worthless men or women that will just have to. Uh, yeah, comment. but what about? <laughs> or they'll just say you don't know. And I, I, I regularly block people on mine. I, I'm, I'm fine with people that w- want to, you know, dialogue with me and say, well, what about this verse? Or well, then how does this fit in or something? But, but then there's others that are just constantly just trying to just wear you down with just like uh, a dripping faucet. Yeah, and uh, those I just block. It's just like you know what? I don't. You don't have to exist to me. Um, and so uh, you. So goodbye. Yeah. And uh, that's it. And so. Uh, but, but sometimes they may work in your organization. They, uh, they may answer to you. Uh, and I'll tell you what, what I've found typically is that if, you know, these are the kind of people that, that sort of linger in the shadows. These are the people that pile on once uh, you're down or you're, you're, you're vulnerable. Um, I found you, you, you confront these people. These are the people that you corner and you get eyeball to eyeball and let them know that we're not going to tolerate that. You, yeah. you, we will not allow that kind of uh, slander, that kind of uh, divisive spirit. If if you're going to behave that way, you're you're done here. And I, I I find you 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 typically have to confront in a very strong way uh, with people like that. Uh, and uh, and just and but, but I'll also tell you that there is a certain kind of person. I it sounds harsh, worthless man. It's funny that the Bible would even have such strong words for such people, yeah. but they can be so dangerous. Um, and it doesn't take many of them to really sour a whole culture. And so, um, and to be honest with you, uh, a lot of the time I've seen it very difficult for them to change. And I think the reason it's difficult for them to change is because it's basically a character issue. Yeah, It's not just a, ha- a bad habit. It's a character issue. It's yeah. a, It's a character that is not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. The, the Spirit of God is not honored by people that ba- badmouth and gossip and malign and tear down leaders and, uh, and divide the body of Christ. Uh, but they're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And so they, you know, sometimes you, you hear some of what people are saying or doing and you just shake your head and say, how could you even respect yourself and behave that way and treat yeah. people that way? But, but, but if you don't, if you're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you, you don't, it's almost like you don't have a conscience. You just, uh, you, you, you can tear people to shreds and, and, uh, not even think about it. And so, uh, I, I think as a shepherd, th- these are almost like wolves that just, they look for the weak and they prey upon people that, uh, maybe are at a weak moment. And, uh, and so when, when they're around, I think you just have to kind of identify them, shine a light on them and you, you can give them a chance to change. You can confront and say that won't, Ha, that, that that won't be tolerated. The problem is that when you do that, it may silence them for a while, but it may it probably hasn't changed them. Yeah. And so they'll kind of scurry back into the darkness for the time being. But uh, but if a stronger leader comes along t- that will oppose you, they'll all scurry back out of the darkness to sort of support the next one. And uh, so y- you're you you have to kind of keep an eye on those folks and that can wear you out after a while. And yeah. you just kind of wait for the next crisis to come or some, some bad thing happens, a setback of some kind. And they are right away, just chirping away, uh, you know, to, and uh, denigrating your leadership again. So, uh, 
don't, uh, I guess what I would just kind of conclude by saying is don't beat yourself up if you've got someone like that in your organization. Um, you, it seems inevitable. David had people like that in his, right. uh, they, they, Paul talked about people like that. Um, so they're out there and they, and the thing about them is they don't tend to show their colors uh, at first. So you hire someone and then you discover afterward that they have this tendency. Uh, you can kind of find out, you, you know, if you're, if someone, if you're hiring someone, you don't know very well. Um, there's certain questions you can ask and you can, and certainly that's the, they're the kind of people you want to check references with and ask, were they team players? Were they, were they the people you turn to in times of trouble and difficulty or, yeah. um, or did, did they, did they remain positive and so on? And there, there are certain questions you can ask that can perhaps uncover some of those people. Uh, you know, when, when you, when someone joins your church and you find out that they've been a part of three previous church splits, you just, you beware, you know, they may yeah. be sons of Belial that just every time there's trouble, they just, uh, just came running up to join in on the fun. And, uh, and so beware of those kind of people. Uh, and, and they, and when there's just one or two, they can, you know, you can kind of keep a thumb on them and keep them kind of in line for the most part. But, uh, it's like, oh yeah, we got the one naysayer, but uh, you know, no one takes him that seriously. But, but if you get three or four, five or six, all of a sudden, then they begin to develop a critical mass. Yeah. And uh, as a leader, you got to watch out for that. So, it's kind of a negative uh, subject this week. But uh, it's it just it kind of surprised me. Uh, and in, and what I realized is negative leaders can't do much by themselves, but if they can attract some sons of Belial, if they can yeah. just get a few worthless men to join them, now all of a sudden their negativity has a certain bite to it that yeah. they didn't have before. And so uh, be watching those, keep an eye on them. Uh, w- when you speak to their face, they'll, they'll tend to tell you what you want to hear, but behind your back, they're they're networking and sharing notes and gossiping and uh, spreading lies. And, uh, and unfortunately that's just the world in which we live. Yeah. Well, there's so many people who, um, are just, you know, speaking in cultural terms or they're anti-culture Yeah. and, uh, they have nothing to, to, to put forth themselves. They have nothing that they can, um, build, but all they know how to do is to tear down. Yeah. And so, uh, it is negative, but it's a reality. And yeah. uh, so I think it's, it's worth talking about and knowing that if you have some of these folks in your organization, you're not alone and, mm-hmm. and they can be overcome. So, yeah, don't, don't, uh, and don't give in to them. Don't, uh, don't be intent. They want to intimidate you. They want to get inside your head. Yeah. Uh, don't let them in. Uh, you, you still have uh, power. You have uh, strength. So confront it. Um, marginalize those people. Don't give them a bigger platform. And sometimes you just have to ignore them or block them or delete them. Uh, they want a they want a megaphone. Uh, they they want to have a bigger voice than they really do have. And like David, he just shut them down and just didn't yeah. listen to them and actually did the opposite of what they were saying. And uh, and they realized well a, a strong secure leader. Uh, it doesn't have to be swayed by these voices. Yeah. Uh, an insecure leader who's, uh, who's living and leading in fear or insecurity will give them way too much uh, uh, space and uh, voice. And so 
Uh, it may be that you just need to confront some of that. Uh, that that's the where the leader really earns his his pay by confronting negative stuff, divisive stuff. But uh, you either deal with it now or you deal with it later. Yeah. And so the sooner the better. Get on those guys. Absolutely. And uh, if you can, and and you may well have to just purge your organization of some of those people. Uh, or at least really put them on notice and uh, stay on them and, and until they are the ones that are looking over their shoulders instead of you having to look over yours all mm. the time. Well, it's a good word and uh, appreciate you taking the time, Richard. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackme.org.